0: This is Bernard Hiller, and welcome to the Actor's Guide to Success podcast. I'm an acting coach, I have a school here in Hollywood, and I hold acting masterclasses in over 20 countries around the world. I'm also a producer, screenwriter, and author of the acting and success book, Stop Acting, Start Living. We are storytellers. We are people who can actually make a massive difference to other people's lives. You have to be studying as an actor like you were studying to be an Olympic swimmer. I've been teaching actors all over the world for the past 20 years. And I've discovered that there are millions of artists who study their craft but never learn how to succeed in their profession.
1: Don't wait around. you know, I, I just always encourage people to take control. Any chance you can to keep acting, whatever you do, it's going to help. You're
0: going to improve. My mission with this podcast is to inspire you and give you the tools you will need to live the life you always wanted. On this show, we will meet incredible personalities from show business and Academy Award winning guests who will share their secrets so you can use them on your journey. Hi, welcome to the Actors Guide to Success and today we have a very, very special guest. His name is Pete Hammond. Now that name may not strike you right away, but he is a true influencer here in Hollywood. He is the chief film critic for Deadline Hollywood. Yeah. He is also the awards editor and columnist for all the Oscars and all the Emmys. Um, he's also a columnist that he wrote for the LA Times. He also has been interviewed New York Times. You're all over the place. You're the preeminent. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been around a little bit. You are the preeminent voice of what works and what doesn't work, which means that if Pete likes your movie, you have a chance. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, you if also, I don't like your movie, you have a chance. That's right. No, there's also, <laughs> by
0: the way, Pete is a particularly kind human being oh, that you always do that. No, it's true. You always try to find something beautiful. I do want, just want to finish up your introduction. You have the film series at uh, KCET.
1: KCT and uh, on KCET, which is a PBS station right. in LA. Every Friday night, eight o'clock, must-see movies, show classic movies. I host it, kind of like Robert Osborne Warren did it at at TCM and uh, it's repeated Saturday afternoons and so and that cross promotes our live series which I do year-round showing new movies and interviewing filmmakers yeah
0: unbelievable I just don't know where you have the time you've been (laughs) nominated for five Emmys yeah yeah. is that true and also I love this much my favorite quote is that the Oscars if the Oscars is the Super Bowl then Pete Hammond is its quarterback <laughs> and that's
1: you Oh thank you so man. I want to
0: thank you for coming here yeah. and sharing your insight. I mean you really have a heartbeat you you know what films are working you find out uh, what what's happening you talk to all the members uh, first of all, can you tell us a little bit how you became this that you became this way uh, yeah what, what was your journey like?
1: well you know it, it it started I feel like it started when I was seven years old <laughs> but I know but it, but, is it did start when I, I was right. seven years old and that as far as my memory goes I have photos of me on the floor looking at the entertainment section of the LA Times right. uh, and cutting out um, at movie ads and I did little movie theaters in my room I just was obsessed with movies from a very young age. My mother said I learned to read from the Marquis of the Bruin and uh, Village uh, Theaters in Westwood. I'm from L.A. And, uh, you know, basically I just absorbed that. that was all I cared about. And, uh, and and I just knew I was gonna be in this business one way or another, and that's sort of it. I, I just went all through school and acting. We're talking about you t- acting. You took acting? Oh yeah, I was, I was an actor oh, you were an actor too. High school and college, uh-huh. and uh, then decided, I'm just not good enough <laughs> at that point. I think I'd be better now.
0: Well, you know, are <laughs> now. Yes, you are. You're invited to my class. Yeah. <laughs> see, I, I see
1: now what I know now would have worked. But yeah. I get a lot of a lot of that and um, and then I decided writing would be the best way in and so I, I started uh, writing and I wound up writing uh, getting jobs first I got a job as a page at NBC and that was the greatest thing gave four hundred and something tours of NBC Burbank which isn't there anymore oh, I see and uh, and <clears throat> then uh, that led to uh, me uh, getting a writing job uh, for kids programming and so I said I can't write kids programming but I did it Dusty's Treehouse a local show I wrote the last two seasons on and on and on I got a bunch of Emmy uh, Nominations for that. I did a show for NBC called One to Grow On, which was interstitial programming on their when they had a Saturday morning schedule. Wow! And that won an Emmy, but I was nominated for writing uh, three t- three years in a row for that. Uh, and it was fun. It was fun to do that. And then that led to the entertainment uh, world of journalism because right. uh, the director of one of those shows uh, said, you're the one and you should come out and interview with Rona Barrett. She's got a new show right. coming on, Television Inside and Out, and so I did. And um, I just loved that because that's what I was always into. The show didn't last long, but I got the job as a researcher there. Uh, the head researcher interviewed me and she said, I asked this question about everybody we're doing an interview with Richard Dreyfuss. Do you know his earliest screen appearance? And I said, well, I think it was a show on NBC called 90 Bristol Court, 1962, 63. Um, uh, And it was on a a segment of that called Karen. And uh, she goes, really? I'm gonna go tell the producer right now. And she went away and I looked on her desk and there was a book called Total Television. So I picked it up and I looked up Richard Dreyfuss because it has everybody's name and it said his early Earliest appearance known to be 90 Bristol Court, this, this show called Karen. And so when she came back, I said, you know, the answer was on your desk the whole time. I had that job before I could get home in my car, they called me. And that's how it all started for me in this world of, of journalism. And that show led directly to Entertainment Tonight, where I worked for 10 years and was the movie producer. Wow. And uh, around, set up shoots around the world and did all that. And that led to... Extra, which was just starting out, uh, and then uh, Access Hollywood, Arsenio, Martin Short Show, uh, AMC Networks I worked for as a Hollywood guy when they decided to add commercials and make me be the one that tells people they're adding commercials to the John Wayne movies. (laughs) I thought it was just going to be fun. I would just get to go to conventions and take Janet Lee and Rita Moreno around, and I thought, oh, this is a dream job. It wasn't that. (laughs) Um, and uh, all kinds of things after that and then I I wound up, you know, Symmetry, I wound up at the LA Times and we started this segment, uh, this segment, this section called The Envelope and uh, that was all about award season and I did that for three years and then I got lured away to Deadline where I have now been ten years. Ten years. Yeah.
0: There's something so wonderful to be in the entertainment industry, but what was it for you that you just wanted to be part of it? What did it give you?
1: I don't know. You know, it was seeped into me. It was all I ever wanted to do. And I I was one of those lucky kids because I didn't like search for what do I want to do or anything like that. I just like said, some way I'm gonna be in this. And I don't really know why, I was just attracted to it. I don't know, it's because I lived in LA. My family was not in the business at all. What did your family do? Uh, My father was a tennis pro, and then became a sales uh, rep, uh, his own company uh, for Sporting Goods. Mm -hmm. And he actually, the only job I've ever had that's not show business connected was working in his warehouse, uh, shipping tennis rackets and things like that. But um, that that uh, was the only one I ever did. I was like eighteen, and uh, other than that, I've I've managed to uh, fool people. And- no,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 everybody. Keep, keep going. <laughs> you know, what? there are certain uh, people in industry uh, where you can just say like one name, Gaga. Madonna, yeah. and people just call you Pete. Yeah. Everybody knows Pete is the one that you want yeah. to interview you. Yeah. To, you've met everyone yeah. uh, who's up for this award season. Yeah, oh yeah. Everybody. You have uh, seen you see three movies a day sometimes.
1: At least, I saw one this morning.
0: How yeah. do you do that? Do you ever get confused? Do you ever fall asleep? I mean, uh, yes,
1: <laughs> um, yes, it depends. Because um. I, mean, like,
0: I fall asleep sometimes, I'm like, oh my God.
1: Oh my God, yeah. when you go to uh, Cannes, yeah. and you have to see, starting at 8.30 in the morning, and then you go all day, and the last movie's at 10 o'clock at and night. And you're watching all of that. And you're trying to, and a lot of them are subtitled Polish movies and oh. things. So, you know, <laughs> it's not easy doing film festivals, but that's what I do there. Here, you know, I can see two or three a day sometimes, mainly two and usually one it depends you know right now it's a little slow because we're post oscar season in terms of the new movies right. and now they're coming a little slower and so, and I'm seeing not the greatest ones right now, right, right. but um, I go see them all. Yeah, I just saw, and I, you, yeah.
0: which And do you enjoy just even being there, no matter what? If it's you know what,
1: it, 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 it is true. I loved going to movies, and I love watching movies and things. Sometimes it gets to be a grind, cause you gotta drive, you gotta go to Hollywood, you gotta see it at a screening. Yeah. Uh, and it's a long way you get there you're in a bad mood you know whatever you have to go at a specific time so it is a job and then you gotta you gotta write about them and you gotta gotta
0: write a whole article about
1: it. I, I not only write it I also do a video review at the same time so I do two for the same movie I do a video review which I shoot at my house on an iPad then send it in to our editors who add all the clips and things but I also do a print version of that that appears at the same time. So it's a lot of work, you know, going to movies. Where now. do you have
0: time to breathe? I mean I don't stand. I no,
1: it's a little crazy No, right you now.
0: really have the most <laughs> unbelievable job. When I was looking you up and talking yeah. to people about you, that nobody yeah. knows how you do all the things you yeah, do. I hear that. I you know
1: what? I, I you know why? I think it keeps you going. You know, because the business Well you found you your
0: passion. Yeah. I mean yeah. you're very passionate about film. Yeah. And this business and the industry and everybody respects you. I mean you are highly respected by so many people. Here. Well, you know, it's
1: fun and I, and I, you know, and everybody does something in this business and I so appreciate what they do, you know. Publicists that work for these studios, and that's a lowly job in some ways, and yes. a thankless job yes, in a lot of yes, ways. Yes, yes. I couldn't do this without them, you know. Uh, without everybody along the way, you know, they're so helpful, and so that makes it easier. I think, and you know what else has made this job what? a lot easier? The internet. Wow. Oh my God, I don't have, I started out, when I worked at Entertainment Tonight, I was called the library researcher. I had to go to the Academy library every morning for all the segments that we were doing and get research and go through the envelopes of real, you know, clippings and things. That's how it was. Now with the internet, just type it in and you'll find anything there. And it makes it, that way I can do this much faster. Much faster. Uh, You know, I don't have to get in my car and go to a library. Oh my God. Uh, but that's when I started doing... Uh, uh, this kind of stuff. That's what I I, I was doing. Well, and of course, ta- I got stuck reading everything there. I got fascinated. I got went right back to the seven year old kid. And I. But you I, are I, yeah. you
0: are notoriously like a data bank. You know, <laughs> you know about all the films. One of my favorite performers, of course, was Danny Kay. Yeah, and them. you would tell me right away who yeah. directed it. And yeah, you know all about those. And, films.
1: Well, you said my favorite movie, and I said, let me guess, the, the Court Jester. The Court Jester has to be. Has to be. It
0: has to be. And I, have, I actually just got a poster of the Court Jester.
1: Oh, I I have one too. Yeah. I have this poster. Yeah. And I
0: also have uh, Marlon Brando's film, which I think is my favorite film on the waterfront.
1: On uh, the waterfront. Oh amazing. God.
0: That's one of my favorite Speaking films.
1: Speaking of people that I know, and I don't know, I didn't know Marlon Brando, is a little bit before me uh, doing this kind of thing, but um, my mother actually got an autograph and he was notorious for not signing him, but she saw him on a plane coming back from Hawaii, I think in the 60s. And took a Hawaiian postcard, which I still have, and said to Peter, Marlon Brando, I have that. And that's kind of rare, because there weren't a lot of things.
0: No, he didn't want
1: to do But that. I watch movies sometime. I have a friend that has a screening room, and he's very close with Eva Marie Saint, who won is an that, Oscar for *All the Waterfront. Huh? Leonard? No, no, a guy named Larry, oh, uh, whose father is uh, Oscar-winning producer, Walter oh, I, Mearsch. Yeah, but anyway, Larry has a thing, and, 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 and Eva Marie Saint comes over, so we sat. I, this year, I just missed, I was in Cannes or somewhere, and she, they showed On the Waterfront watching it with her oh in the God. living room there. Oh my but I watched The Russians Are Coming with oh her God. and I've watched a, a mm-hmm. number of films. Oh uh, yeah, yes. And it's fun. She's so nice. She's 95 now. Something like that. Just so great. When you, when you say On the Waterfront and who I know, that's where my mind goes. No, you I always have
0: some story. Somebody. You, uh, there's somebody. some
1: connection somewhere.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. The one of the reasons I brought you here today is we want to talk about the Oscars, yes. And uh, you are, Course, very famous for picking the winners, and I'm going to talk about Oscars from an acting point of view. Who yeah. should win at it from an acting artistic point of view? Okay, the first thing we do, of course, is that you can't compare one role to the other yeah. because it's just not fair. So, uh, it's so just to preface that, that it's just something we're doing for fun, right? Because you can't do Hamlet and then someone's doing a different type of film or something, it's not the same thing. But yeah. I want to get your insight of how you choose films and what. What makes you like them so let's start can we start with the uh, supporting actress yeah category? Sure. yeah let's start with the supporting actress category we have Kathy Bates yeah for Richard Jewell Laura Dern from Marriage Story Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit Florence Plough for Little Women and Margot Robbie for Bombshell right so uh, which ones did you think had something and how do you choose a performance. What do you look for? Because I look at it from an acting point of are view. Are
1: you asking me as a critic of who I yes. like, or as a, a prognosticator of who uh, would win? I want both. Well, the one I like the most is the one I think is going to win. So yes. that's easy. Laura Dern. Yes. <laughs> In Marriage Story. Uh, you know, I've watched her career. I, I just did a tribute to her at the Santa Barbara Film Festival, and she was wonderful. We went through her whole career. This is somebody who's, you know, a daughter of the town, as it were, and daughter of parents who are actors and really was born literally on a film set. I mean, she was conceived on the set of The Wild Angels, the wow, Peter Fonda, right. Nancy Sinatra biker movie. But, um, you know, she's so interesting and she's hard to pinpoint because she's done these different things and I don't think Hollywood quite knew what to do with her in a lot of ways. And so she's done it herself. And then you see her get a role like Marriage Story where she's playing this lawyer who's very flamboyant, but also is based sort of on real life, based on somebody a little bit. She brings so much to it. You watch her do that monologue she has in the film. And, uh, man, she just nails it. I was, watching the, I was watching it again. The body language, everything she puts into it, sells that scene. It's no shock to me that she would be a supporting actress frontrunner because it's a true supporting role. Right. You know, It's not like some of these categories have leading right. actors pretending right. they're supporting right. somebody. But they're not. Those are big roles. This is a true supporting role where she comes in and steals it. You know, right. just steals it. I
0: also think when we have Oscar, that people who win, for me, from an acting point of view, have sort of an Oscar moment. Yeah. some moment that That's they right. have yep. that can really show what they can do and yeah. and, and I think Laura D- I agree with you I think Laura Dern is the best choice yeah. for that category and also she had did another film as well
1: this yeah, year yeah she's got a the, the, the double uh, thing here because Little Women came out at Christmas right. and she's playing a completely opposite role Absolutely. at Marmee uh, warm mother here very well known uh, property uh, oddly enough directed by Greta Gerwig who's a partner in life with uh, Noah Baumbach who directed Marriage Story right. so it's all intertwined it, it's all intertwined <laughs> uh, but it does show people her range just in a short amount of time when they're looking at these movies because they're both Best Picture nominees
0: absolutely you know there's also interesting what they say and I want to hear from you where they think oh it's Lur Durant's time yeah. they give it to her because yeah. they just not don't give it to her for just for this performance but for all the great different performances Yeah. because she does a nuance what I like when I look at a performance from an acting point of view are choice we're going to talk about making choices that a normal person wouldn't do right. how would everybody play it and she put such humanity in it and yeah. I totally agree with you I don't think that people knew what to do with her because she's not quite yeah. leading lady she's not quite she's in the middle somewhere yeah
1: you and know she she told stories about how uh, she was up for this big teen movie it turned out to be a big teen thing with the teen cast and things and you know she went a different direction got working with David uh, Lynch yes. in Blue Velvet right. which was not a typical way for somebody like yeah. that where they were trying to push her in another direction, but Absolutely. she said, I just knew it was gonna be something. She went to UCLA for two days, and then left to go do this movie, and that was it. You know, but it sent her on a trajectory of a different thing, working with these kind of directors that are different than a lot of younger actresses, her age range and what they might have been pushing her toward would get. But uh, when you say it's their time, yeah, you got to get the right role in the movie that's going to be seen. And it's all, you know, that's all luck in some ways and other things. Here she got it finally because she's been nominated twice before here, but she's winning a lot in television, right. a, lot, a lot of Emmys and. There's something clubs.
0: about you know, if you really want to know who the best actor was, we should all have five actresses play exactly the same role. That's right. And that's the only way you could tell. Yeah, that won't happen. That won't happen. <laughs> right, right, right. That's the only time. Yeah. That's when you really get to know something. I uh, know. Like, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, like, and that would. Or somebody's famously said that, you know, if you're going to do the Oscars, they should all play Hamlet. Right. And, uh, and then we'll all know. And then we will all know. Yes. But, and, uh, and
0: there's some Hamlets which are not that good. It's really, yeah. uh, Stella Adler once said that talent is not the choices you make. And yeah. that's what I'm looking for. What kind of choices do you make? What kind of decisions do you make? Yeah. Uh, and I think that definitely she's going to win for that. I feel...
1: I yeah, you look Francis- at the other nominees in that yeah. category, like Kathy Bates, yeah. uh, who's wonderful, yeah. is Richard Jewell's mother, and she got the only nomination for that movie. Yes. You know, so people pulled that up. They love her. And she she plays all kinds of different roles. Absolutely, She's so great. Florence Pugh, who's nominated for Little Women that Laura Dern's also in, is one of the daughters there. Yeah. I liked her in that, but I loved her in Midsummer earlier this year. I heard,
0: I heard she's supposed to. I she's so
1: good in that, you know, and she's so different. You wouldn't know it was the same actor here uh, doing these roles. That's what I find interesting as well is to see their choices, as you say, and, and what they're doing. Right. And right. I can tell Florence Pugh is one of those that's going to make really interesting choices right. along the way And I think
0: well that's an interesting actress but as I said I don't think any of the actors had the Oscar moment had a moment like Laura Dern
1: no she no, had that she had know, that know, moment so, it got applause from right, the audience that's, you know, right, it's that. that's right yeah that's
0: right okay so let's go yeah. to our next um, supporting actor category we have Tom Hanks for a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah. We have Anthony Hopkins for the two popes, mm-hmm. Al Pacino for the Irishman, Joe Pesci for the Irishman, and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time <laughs> in Hollywood. Yeah. So, what is your which one did you like best and who do you think is going to win?
1: Well, this is an interesting category because it's like you heard of Oscar fraud before. Yes, This is loaded with leading actors in no. here. Many of right. them have passed one past best actor Oscars. Could have easily gone in the lead actor category. Absolutely. But in the case of Brad Pitt, they didn't want to like team him with Leonardo and have them cancel each other out. in the case of Anthony Hopkins, didn't want to do that with Jonathan Price. Well, and, and on Al Pacino? and on. Al Pacino's Come a lead, on, lead in the Irishman. Yeah, he's but not a- he's not the Irishman,
0: right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they can make that argument. Mm. And there, Joe Pesci's a true supporting yeah. actor uh, in, in the role. And uh, you know, Tom Hanks is so great. it's Mr. Rogers and people think and the movie sold on him and of course he has lead belling and all of that. but it really is Matthew Reese's story that drives it That's
0: it. I was disappointed in the fact that I didn't see more of of Mr. Rogers. Story.
1: Yeah, because it's th- not Mr. Rogers' no, it's story. A Mr. St-
0: you know, I mean, they were both wonderful, but it's not yeah. what I thought it was going to be, a different types of film. Hanks
1: is so good in so many roles. Oh, yeah, he's just... And he hadn't been nominated in years uh, because he's just easy to overlook because he won those two back-to-back Best Actor Oscars, yes. Philadelphia yes. and Forrest Gump. Yeah. Uh, and then you see him here, and it was undeniable. They had to nominate him. He was just so good. But it really is a supporting role. Anthony Hopkins, though, and Jonathan Price, those are co-leads. Right. It's called The Two Popes. Right. It's not two plus one. It's the meetings plus there, and they're, and they're good. But uh, they talked to Anthony Hopkins. He said he's fine going into supporting. You know, these studios decide where you're going to go, and then they push it, and then the actors, who are the ones that vote, have to go along with that, and they generally do. Brad Pitt, again, he's a co-lead here in Once Upon a Time, but he's working in the movie for Rick Dalton, the right. Leo character, so they right. can get away saying it's supporting and he has just swept the, the field here. He was my choice, though, also. I think Brad Pitt was great as, as this stunt guy. Absolutely. And um, I just every scene, it, it just, it's such a movie star role. And you know you see what he is, but he's also a terrific actor. He really is. I saw him in Ad Astra this year as well, the outer space. He was great. That's a very cerebral role. This is different. Once upon a time in Hollywood, he gets to do everything you want to see a movie star do, a movie star role. And um, and I thought he was, and I loved, you know, I loved him in this. Joe Pesci I thought was great playing against type. You know, he's always the crazy guy, and here he was low key. And uh, that was different. So that's nice to see. He came out of retirement and has gone back into retirement. So right. this was just another thing. I thought Pacino was great as yeah, Jimmy Yeah, I thought Huff Pacino
0: thought. Is, is, from an acting point of view, I think that Pacino did incredible scenes.
1: Yeah, he's I, so good. I mean, just his it's choices. Hard.
0: Yes, his choices. He, yeah. he doesn't do anything that you expect, which is what I call great acting, is that he doesn't, um, he disappears in the role. Right. And yeah. that's what I love about it.
1: When he's it, making that big speech in that hall, yeah. you know, and you watch what he does with his arms and the just that movement I, I loved, I just noticed, you know, and I go like God uh, he's, uh,
0: he, he's a very interesting character because we were honored to show one of his films, uh-huh. and then he spoke to my master class oh, wow. a few times. And, yeah. he, and what I found out is that he goes to a coach once a week every week for forty years. Oh, see because he says he's either getting better or bitter. <laughs> so that's kind of the way it is, <laughs> constantly working. So I think that it's it's you know I understand why it's Brad's time, but do you yeah. think that? He would, he's going to win. I mean, do you feel, and Brad's you like him win. the best from, from the group?
1: I did. First of all, I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. I absolutely adored that movie. Yeah. And I thought both of them, we haven't gotten to the yeah. lead actor yet, but I, you know, I just... I love them too. I thought, and, and, and what Quentin does from an actor's thing, he picks out these actors so perfectly. And he says... I make these scripts and if I don't screw it up in, in casting, it's going to be great. Right. And he's so careful about casting, but he brings these actors, many of whom have been way past their heyday, and he rediscovers them and he knows the roles that will make it work. He doesn't just do it for everybody. He knows you've got to be good, like Robert Forster famously put him in Jackie Brown, gave him a whole new career, and so well deserved. A John Travolta in Pulp Fiction right. came back from a you know low point in his career. He, he saw him in this kind of thing. Burt Reynolds was supposed to be in Once Upon a Time but he right. died and right. Bruce Dern came in and you look all those actors that he cast down the line in the smallest of roles it's really an actor's movie and uh, and Tarantino has a great eye for that so I just loved it because it's about it's about Hollywood and, right and uh,
0: it's, a, it's a specific t- it's a celebration of Hollywood in some yeah. ways and it's you know in the in those eras and I think I mean Brad did a beautiful job. I mean, he always brings life to it. When you yeah. watch him, there's yeah. something about him. He brings a positivity, which is what I teach. Is like, yeah. can you find something positive in the character? He's always trying to be positive. Even the situations he's in, he's not so positive. He's like, hey, even when he, he meets, uh, he goes to the door where the um, where Bruce Dern is in there. Or
1: yeah, so, yeah, the ranch.
0: The ranch. He's at the ranch, and he's like, can I come in? He's always charming. He's not trying to be, he's always being right. charm, like, Can you fix my car? And then he beats a guy to death. Yeah. Maybe now you can fix my car. (laughs) But he always has that, which is what I love about it, is that he he stays positive. And so you, as a viewer, have to know what's going on. Jumping
1: on the roof and taking his shirt off. He didn't just take it off in a subtle way. He took it off. That's a movie star moment, but it worked. He somehow made what was a very showy kind of thing that could have been terrible work. And the audience goes crazy. It was it was interesting. And then of course the end with that dog. He's working with what they say actors shouldn't work with: kids or dogs or animals. And he's working with that dog who deserves some kind of actually won the Palm Dog at (laughs) Cannes. The dog (laughs) won it. Wow! he's, He's so good. Where he just goes, he just goes like. And that's it. And you watch, you watch the two of them. Yeah. I, it's just amazing to it's me. A,
0: it's an amazing thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: we have a, a next category, which is lead actress. This is an interesting category. We have uh, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Sharon uh, Sironen, what's her name? Oh,
1: Saoirse uh, Ronan.
0: Sheer Sironen for Little Women, uh, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy.
1: Yeah. You know, look, from the moment I saw Judy and actors voting these things love uh, to see actors playing famous people and what they can do. You know, it's easier to sort of judge acting that way. Right. right. Just like Judy Garland. Yeah, Yeah. And that and she was incredible because she. Did not let them do a makeup job on her that took away her own features and her own way of interpreting that. I thought it was an incredible performance beyond all the accolades she's got because she played it not as an impersonation at all or didn't attempt to even in the looks, but suggested it. And particularly in the way she sings, she's not Judy Garland, but you believe her. As Judy Garland. Right, and she Garland. sang her own songs. And right? she sang her own songs, which is something Sissy Spacek did when she played Lorella Lynn and, and others have done. But uh, uh, Taryn Edgerton did it this year in Rocket Man, and he did very well, I thought. Yeah, yeah. But, um she brought those nuances to Judy at, in the last months of her life that were really interesting and I have to say the same though for Charlize Theron right. as Megan Kelly absolutely and now there is prosthetics and right. she really is made to look like Megan Kelly worked with a vocal coach you cannot I just saw Megan Kelly interviewed on uh, Bill Maher the other day right. and I'm listening to her thinking of Charlize I couldn't tell the difference between their right. voices no, no, absolutely. she really got to it's one of those performances you go like Whoa, that is an amazing turn, since we've seen Charlize in so many things, we've seen Renee in so many things, and it's interesting to see these two real-life people brought to the screen in these ways here. I call it a, uh, a tie yeah, for them, in my I opinion.
0: Think so. I, think, I, th- I agree with you. I think from an acting point of view, I thought that Charlize brought so much humanity and understanding to what she was doing. Yeah, they're not. They're not playing a role. They are the role. They're. They're yeah. really living the moment. I also thought that Cynthia riva was incredible as Harriet. She's great. Yeah, she's really. She's not like that at all.
1: No, it, she's it, British. First she's of all, British and, and she's British. she's playing an American heroine. An American
0: heroine. icon, <laughs> Harriet Tubman. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. Now, I want to ask you a question. You meet all these people when yeah. you, you meet them. What do, would you? How could you describe best what kind of people they are to you, or um how would you?
1: Well, I meet them, you know, in this kind of situation, Uh interviews and things, or I've known them for past years. The interesting Uh thing is I've, uh, going back to Monster, I've done uh, many interviews with Charlize. And she's great. I can tell you she was a real trooper that year. She was out there. um, I know just the stuff I did with her. Uh, She would go anywhere. And and this year she's doing the same thing with Bombshell. And uh, she's just the nicest person. Yeah, You know, she's just genuinely nice really real to me and uh, not everybody's that way you know and Renee's also very nice yeah. too I like her Cynthia Revo. every time I see her I said are you sick of me now I mean I'm, for some reason I've done a ton of interviews with her and um, and she's lovely too I, she's not as easy to get to know right. beyond this yes. you know um, but I like her a lot um, Scarlett Johansson I don't know you know, I haven't had the opportunity to uh, interview her this year. Oh, so. I see. You
0: didn't have a chance to
1: Yeah, interview. she hasn't been out that much. She was doing Black Widow, and, you know, she's done a couple of things. Um, but, uh, uh, so I don't know her personally. Um, you know, she's never been nominated before, so That's this right. is her first time in the, uh, in the game. I would, if I did uh, talk to her, would talk to her a lot about Jojo Rabbit, which is a movie I loved, and I loved her in that, right. uh, playing Rosie. Um, so she had two roles, and she's got two nominations, which is rare. Which is rare. It's yeah. amazing
0: that she got two. And it's nom- great.
1: And I don't think she's going to win either one. But right. I mean, the the victory are, is getting the two nominations. Can you
0: imagine two nominations? That's incredible. and I
1: thought she was incredible. Who
0: else has had that? I mean, obviously you have a um,
1: Julianne what? Moore um, uh, for the hours and far from uh, heaven. Kate Blanchett. Uh, think- Kate Blanchett. Um, also. Um, Sigourney Weaver uh, she lost both she was gorillas in the midst and working girl and um, uh, yeah a few times it's happened it goes back to Teresa Wright uh, in the early 40s with pride of the Yankees and uh, you know usually they'll win one or the other but sometimes they don't like Sigourney Weaver and Julianne Moore later won for another movie, but she wasn't nominated twice well, that Streep year. Meryl Streep must
0: have been nominated.
1: Meryl Streep, no.
0: No? She mm-hmm. never took nominations?
1: I don't think so. Well, we
0: should give it to her. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, let's Maybe. talk about uh, leading actor. We have Antonio Banderas for uh, Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for The Joker, Yeah. And Jonathan Price for the two popes.
1: Yeah, I really like them all, but I, I have to say, Joaquin is going to win. Yes. Definitely. Uh, that is the showiest role in a lot of ways but he brought such nuance to playing this guy that is not easy to do when you're playing a iconic comic book character and of course Heath Ledger won an Academy Award posthumously for playing the same role Joker so this is like playing Hamlet you know that they can uh, we can judge them both but they're so different and uh, this is a chilling movie Joker Uh, and I thought Joaquin was just again it's the choices what you watch what he's doing that whole the dance his movement you know his whole loneliness there of wanting to be on this talk show and wanting to be a comedian and not being good he, he was so good at being bad right. and you had such empathy for him and right. sympathy it's very difficult To do
0: Well, one of the things that I talk about, that film affected me the most. I think that is the most powerful film I've seen in 20 years. I think that it's because it hits you in so many ways. His performance is beyond brilliant because he always stays positive. And his best scene is his last scene for me. Oh, yeah? Where where he's going to... In the street? No, when he shoots... uh, Oh, with De Niro? Yeah, with De De Niro. Because he goes like, you know, I I don't mind. You know, he goes... I, I killed them. But he says yeah. it in a very positive way. I know. He doesn't, so many actors would go like, I killed them. And yeah. he's always like, no, it's okay. And, and so he goes from rage to happy. And my God, Oh,
1: he, it's amazing. He just, he's and unbelievable. at that point, and you see, this is an origin story. Yes. So you're watching a transition of a human being who's being tossed aside by society. The most yeah. powerful scene in the movie for me is with the social worker. And he's in that office. And she said, let me just tell you something. They don't care about me. And they don't care about you. Right. And that's society. And you can see all hope is going out the window here when that happens because they're shutting down that agency and
0: But it's it's kind of reflective of our times.
1: Yeah, and that's and what so. it's meant to be too. Yeah, I think it
0: really is about the fact that we've gotten so Un- empathetic towards people, and yeah. people are feeling more lonely now because of the internet. I mean, there's. I mean, this is movies made a billion dollars. What movies makes a billion dollars on this topic?
1: Yeah, uh, nothing like that. A particularly, well, you know, comic book movies do. Yeah, but, but this is not a typical comic no, book movie. No, no, no. You I know, th-
0: I think Joaquin, of course, is going to win from an acting point of view. But I also had, I love Leo in it.
1: Yeah, of course, Leo Well, now this is a real actor's movie. Yes. Now, I yes. would, if I was an actor out there, this is something I think they'll all relate to is yes. this guy who had his moment right. had a hit series right. and then it starts to fade away and then he has to go to Italy to, which many actors did well, course, to absolutely. get roles and different things and uh, but his his scenes, Acting, you know, trying to get the role and not being able to quite do it when he's he's acting opposite that little girl, yeah, Julia. Butters who's fabulous.
0: That kid is unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable, and the way they play it, and this the way he gets himself going, is a lesson in acting, Absolutely. playing an actor that I've rarely seen, and I would give it to Leo for that. Yeah, he's already won, and um, and I think it,
0: that he, I think he did a great scene, even the scene where he busts up of his uh, trailer. Oh, that was Um, great
1: because he's so upset.
0: Absolutely. But also, it's a great scene when the little girl uh, says, I really enjoyed your acting, and he goes. You know,
1: <laughs> and he goes,
0: yeah. Thank you. We think so. You know, yeah. she's seven.
1: In the beginning of that scene where he's reading the paperback, uh, you know, of the mm-hmm. book, and you know, he's just crying, and she goes, "Oh, what is that book? Oh, I'm gonna have to get it. It's really that good." <laughs> you know, and he's just crying because he's it's on a different level of what he's playing there, and his conversation with her is completely different. Just brilliant.
0: Uh, I want to tell you that it's an honor to have you here. Yeah. You are always a kind face whenever I'm at an award show wherever I may be you're always in the midst of everything everybody <laughs> wants to talk to you um, we had we were lucky to have Peter Fairley at our class oh yeah and he said that you resurrected the, his film and gave the film a credibility and people looked at it in a different way because I love Green Book yeah but when too. you write something you Everybody listens. That was
1: a special year, I think. And Green Book was an interesting movie. I had uh, Universal had called me up. They had acquired the movie basically from Focus, their art house division, which had a lot of other movies and things didn't quite know what to do with it. Steven Spielberg was one of the producers of it, uh, his company. And he saw it and you know he has this relationship with Universal. And he called up Universal. I want this to go wide. I want Universal to release it. They didn't know, so they were handed this. They thought First Man was their big movie that year. So they were handed this, so they called me up. Sometimes I get called, just, can you just come, and this isn't to write about it or anything, just come and see the movie and and give us your opinion, and so I did. I went out there and there were maybe five other people uh six at universal and I, i afterwards i said what do you need to know this is such a word of mouth movie all you have to do is get it in front of people and i guarantee you it will have a life i was so convinced of that and then they decided to take it to the toronto film festival and i was at toronto but i'd seen the movie but they they got a slot there later in the week and i always have to leave on a tuesday to come back and do my screening series so i was leaving that morning so i wasn't even there when they screened it in toronto But I called them and I said, look, I want to write about this movie, so let me know an agreed upon time. When the movie ends at Toronto, I will print my story. And so I was the first one out in that way, even though I wasn't there. And um, and it made Universal realize, according to Pete, that that was the first time they thought this could work with critics too. Oh yeah. And they saw, and then they saw the reaction in Toronto was enormous. Oh my god! Massive standing ovations, apparently. I would net the screening, but uh, then it wins the People's Choice Award in Toronto, which is very indicative of stuff. And then it goes along, and I just kept championing it. I love to champion movies, and I wanted people to see this movie, and so it happened all along. And then it got into a lot of. Trouble. There was a negative campaigns being hurled against this yeah, movie yeah, yeah, yeah. for no good reason. A lot of them were ridiculous, uh, the premise of their, heard, their thing, that. but they were nervous because right. it started winning. It won at the Golden Globes, it won at the PGA. Everything and then they get nervous so they want to knock it off this is what goes on in award season and it was a shame but um i just uh, kept going with it and uh, I, and i thought it would win best picture i thought it would win screenplay and i thought it would win supporting and and it did and those three are the ones i thought it would win and that's what happened but i could tell talking to academy people and everything it had an emotional connection for right. people you know it reached them in a way and that is the way you win oscars because um Ultimately, there has to be some passion in your vote. Now, you can win different ways, but, but that's a key way to when you've seen it in recent years. Moonlight, big emotional connection for a lot of voters. The Shape of Water, the same thing, um, you know. And so we're seeing these kind of best picture winners winning without winning best director. All three of those I mentioned, Moonlight, Shape of Water, Green Book. Uh, did not win for director. And in the case of Green Book, didn't even get nominated for director. He did a DGA. Wow. But he won, and that was, you have to go way back to a movie that pulled that off, but it didn't matter. Cause they loved that movie. They loved what it was saying. It was almost old fashioned. It was almost like a Frank Capra. Yeah, movie.
0: yeah. I love Frank Capra. Yeah. get him one of my favorites. Directors of all time, Frank so Pepper.
1: so brilliant. I mean,
0: I used to be a champion of "It's a Wonderful Life" long before people thought of it. I thought it was the most
1: Yeah, you know, it was a flop when it came out. I heard 1947. It was a flop, and they and only when it got revived at Christmas time at different years and on television did it become this major hit. And uh, well, and maybe. you know, because what do people know? You know, people don't,
0: yeah. well, a lot of times, people, <laughs> a lot of films come out. Yeah. Uh, uh, Comedy was at the the uh, the Scorsese movie.
1: Uh, The um, King of Comedy Comedy. was brilliant. I thought it was a great
0: film and some people didn't like it. You know, people don't know. Who knows?
1: You know, uh, we were talking about Joker and Joker is really not inspired by comic book movies as much as it is by Scorsese and Taxi Driver and King of Comedy.
0: Absolutely. And it's so truthful. The film is so, so truthful. Yeah. When you look for a movie, do you look for an emotional connection? What is it that... I I
1: hope to have that, but I'll look for all kinds of things. I love all kinds of movies and... uh, uh, I, I I basically look to see if it's in focus. And if it's in focus, that's great.
0: <laughs> Why You're so kind. How is it that you're always trying to say it's in focus is good enough? Yeah. Are, you just, are, you just, are you just happy that people are making films? I love
1: movies. I just think movies, I, I go to movies and I'm still astonished at the invention. I think it's amazing they can go tell these stories and they get it done. I look at older movies and they go like these are great you know and they had this ability to do this in the 30s and in the 20s and silent movies and everything and it's just amazing to me that this goes on you know and I, and I love anything that's you know I don't know I, I see a lot that I don't love you know and as a critic it's difficult because so they
0: come up to you and say what do you think and yeah you, and all of that and and like-
1: sometimes it's easier you know it's it's a lot easier to write a bad review than it yes. is to write a good and review. have
0: you written a bad review
1: oh yes really yes i okay, have uh, I, unfortunately one involving robert de niro uh there was a movie called bad grandpa And I went to it, and they kept it from critics, but I went the night before, because they have the previews on Thursday night, so I can can file on Friday, and I needed to do a review. Normally, I would have just skipped it entirely. If they don't want to show it to critics, I mean, it must not be good. Uh, So I'm there, and my wife went with me, and uh, it was at the Village Westwood. I remember we're sitting there watching this movie, and 10 minutes in, we're always in separate cars, because she said, if I leave, I want to leave. You know, and I said, you're sitting through this whole movie. She sat through it. I said, "What's so?" She says, "It's such a train wreck." I got to see what happens, and so I watch it. And it really was—it tra- was embarrassing yeah. for Robert De Niro to be doing this movie. You know, it was clearly a paycheck bad, movie. Bad, grandpa. And Zac Efron, embarrassing the things he had to do in it. Just a terrible script. So my headline on my review the next day was, "Bad Grandpa, the worst movie of Robert De Niro's career." And then parentheses. Or anybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy to write. Wow. <laughs> and that is got the biggest reaction of any review I had written up to that. really? Point. Yeah, because it was mean. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard from Robert De
0: Niro did everybody talk to
1: him I, no but I, you know what I could I do talk to him yeah. but but um, I, I just talked to him two days ago at the Oscar nominees launch. he got the biggest applause of anybody in the room by the way now,
0: what was he nominated for uh,
1: the he's uh, there for a producer of best picture nominee the uh, Irishman that's right that's he didn't right. get nominated for best actor right, right, you know right. why Yes. I think it was too low-key. He was a passive character. He was the one they hired. The other guys, Pacino and uh, Joe Pesci, had, had the better roles. They're driving the action.
0: I think so. You know, First of all, Rob De Niro is you know, usually good, except for this um, film. I think that the movie, the reason he wasn't nominated is because I actually think the film is a little too long. Yeah, well, and you, and you get a little bit too much Robert De Niro. Oh, that might and you, be. And you don't appreciate him after a while. Yeah, I know. You, his you performance like is wallpaper. great, but yeah. sometimes you like when you, you know you have to know when to go. Yeah, I think it, I think he would have definitely had a nomination. Yeah, I'd he played it. For- you
1: know, he played it, and it's interesting because speaking of acting, this is the most unique movie this year because they developed this technology, right. DHA, which is nominated for Best Special Visual Effects. And I was just talking to somebody uh, earlier today about that and saying, I wonder how the actors branch is going to vote for the visual effects things here because it's the usual suspects, Avengers, Star Wars, 1917, and the Irishman. And but the Irishman's is there for one reason, the de-aging technology. What do actors think about that? I was thinking watching that movie, it's kind of creepy. Um, But it was effective. I've seen it not done as well. Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel, I didn't think was, I go like, what is this? It looks weird. And Michael Douglas in Ant-Man looked weird to me too. I thought it was effective. I thought they did. The technology really worked here. But what do actors think about that? You know, take 1974, The Godfather Part 2. If they had this technology then, wouldn't it have been easier for them to use the technology and just de-age Marlon Brando and have the real guy that played Don Corleone playing himself as a much younger version than hiring Another actor, right. as they did in this case, Robert right. De Niro, right. who won an Academy Award. Would they have been attempted, like they are here, to use the same actor and simply deage them, thereby robbing some other actor of a great role? And well, I don't know how actors are going to respond. Well,
0: I personally like the organic things. I rather I rather have a younger person play a character, and instead sort of de-aging, I don't. Yeah. I didn't. I, was, I didn't really see. The effect of that in the film for me. I yeah. mean, I just saw the film. and I, saw, I loved the film. and I thought there was great performances. Yeah. I didn't notice like, oh, there were forty now they're fifty. Yeah, that didn't.
1: I yeah, mean, well, you know, it, it worked. It worked on that level. Yeah. I mean, because it was pretty effective uh, yeah. special effects. But is it worth? those millions, uh, millions and of millions dollars. of yes. dollars that they it took and all the delays on this picture uh, to get it greenlit to get it made for between 150 and 200 million yes to do unbelievable. that unbelievable.
0: I, I, I don't think so I don't think so either
1: they could have found another Robert De Niro plane that younger version
0: save some money
1: yeah well <laughs> um, we, have, we have the answers for everything. right here
0: okay <laughs>
1: before I let you go I want to yeah. talk
0: about what do you think the best Picture is going to be, which is we have yes. Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, The Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1970, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite.
1: Yeah, it's a great list. I think it's been a yeah. very good year for movies. That is
0: a great list. I want to ask you, how does 1917 keep winning Best Picture without the actors ever been nominated? That doesn't usually happen.
1: Not usually, but it has happened. Um, happen? Gigi won nine Oscars without having a single acting nomination. Wow. The last. Emperor did that. There have been examples of this uh, where you have big winners doing that. In this case, it's got two terrific uh, young actors there. Beautiful. Not as well known. Yeah. They're really good. The The categories were too um, dense this year, too full, with too many performances for them to squeeze in, I, I think. But George Mackay and Dean Charles Chapman are names really great and it was a great showcase wonderful, for them wonderful. but they weren't going to get nominated and then all the name actors in it like Benedict Cumber they're in it for five seconds and uh, so there wasn't an ensemble kind of nomination to be had and the movie came out too late it was too late for the SAG voters actually to even put it in the best cast thing because most of them hadn't seen it Right, right. so it was a victim of that but it's winning now uh, based on the sheer awesomeness of it the technical right. achievement of yeah. this so-called one shot Yes, and it's shot like a play in a lot of ways sam mendes who comes from the theater really uses his stage background to stage these eight nine minute sequences that have to be perfectly choreographed with the actors it's a real challenge absolutely Um, and that they pull it off and then they make it look like it's one shot is great so people look at that and they go like this is astounding this movie and so it's winning on a crafts level of a, a thing, and it also has an emotional hook to it, I think, you know, which they came up yes. with in the script of uh, creating a, a, a reason for the, yeah, the, uh, the one guy, because his brother is in the unit that's gonna be on a yeah, suicide yeah. mission unless they get this message. Yeah. That's really good. I think this movie's gonna win, though, because it... You it,
0: think yeah, is gonna win? Yeah,
1: it won it. the Golden Globe, and then it won at the Producers Guild, which is a very good indicator, it can be. Then, then the Directors Guild, which is a really good indicator. And so when you're winning these, awards on this trajectory you have as good a chance as any that said i think there's a lot of opportunity for these other movies because of the academy's voting system uh, which is based on a weighted ballot of ranking your favorite films one through nine so if you rank the irishman number one and it gets knocked out in the first round if it's the lowest vote getter Whatever you put number two gets put on a different pile of votes for whatever your number two choice was, and your ballot's still active. And so that's how they do it. So it can be the consensus film. Whatever the number two choice is for a lot of people could be very important here.
0: What do you think is the best film of the year? Did you think it was... What is the best film? Uh, For me, in my top ten list, I'm public
1: on it. So it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You would say that's the best film. Yeah, I related to it. Right. You know, personally, and I'm not, I don't pick my top 10 based on what should win Oscars or anything. I just pick my top 10 on what I liked. What you like? And it, quite frankly, it, this was done before the nominations, it matched it pretty well. I think I had seven movies on my top 11. I cheated a little bit. But on my top 11 that were in their group. Unbelievable.
0: So. There's something about uh, The Irishman, which has those three great performances, De Niro, yeah. and Pacino, and Pesci. It's hard to... Overlook that I it mean, is and I mean,
1: Martin Scorsese and all of that. I mean, there is, a is one
0: absolutely nothing Is it would you yeah. feel that once people are winning people are gonna vote for the winning film?
1: Uh, I, I mean, think that that happened ha- momentum. That, I yeah. call it momentum. Yeah, and it's where the momentum is when the ballots uh, are, are, are are Out and you're voting and what movie has built that because that encourages people in the Academy at least to go out and see These movies and to see them and hopefully on a big screen if they're seeing 1917 on a big screen It's really better if they saw the Irishman, ironically, since it's a Netflix movie on a big screen, it would be doing better than it has been because uh, to sit for three and a half hours and get immersed in an epic like uh, movie like that's one thing. To watch it on your TV screen and get distracted. Right, and then, you
0: stop, you go. You and a lot
1: of people I know watch 45 minutes and then they're going to get back to it. And then they're watching it like a mini-series. Right. This will hurt it yes. in the end. And, uh, and so I think that's a problem for that movie. Uh, Once Upon a Time is well-loved. Uh, it hasn't been winning a lot uh, lately. It won the Globes and Critics' Choice. And then the, uh, you have um, Parasite which is the which
0: is which is the wild card. It's yeah, no
1: big. question, but the Academy has a best international, formerly foreign film category and I'm they Sure that are one there. They yeah, they'll pick it there and they've never when it's been nominated at best picture, pick it for best picture no, too. They no. feel they've already given it the prize. Right, right.
0: Can you imagine winning both places? Well they
1: could. That would be because crazy. I bet you even though they won't pick it um, for their number one, if they're already voting for it for international, they'll probably put it number two because they wow. love the movie. And that could push it over the top. That's why we have some suspense.
0: <laughs> there is some suspense. Nobody really knows. I mean, of course, I love The Joker as my favorite yeah, film. Yeah, I think
1: Joker's a great movie. The film is, And it I leads think, in nomination. I
0: think it leads something, but there's something about it that speaks to so many people yeah seen it many many times and i love once upon a time hollywood i like certain films but there's something an emotional connection to that
1: yeah and yeah. i love uh, jojo rabbit too you like and that? I, I do and i think that's a really different movie a highly original film very um different. it's not going to win no but it's sort of this year's green book because it has the same trajectory it doesn't have a directing nomination but it has an editing nomination that's very important and uh, 1917 is not nominated for editing. And if you're a pundit like me, you look. Oh, there's only once in the last 40 years has one movie, one best picture that wasn't at least nominated for editing. And you know what movie that was? Right. Birdman, the other one-shot gimmick movie. Yeah. And uh, because they sell it as a one-shot, people don't discount that the they, fact. They that don't there's think it's that editing. No editing. <laughs> say, well,
0: there's no editing here. It's a one-shot. Yeah. It's amazing to have you here. Um, what, where do you think films are going? I mean, what, what is the trend? What do you see? with films well I
1: hope the trend is not towards streaming right I I am a big proponent of theatrical uh, viewing experience I mean so I worry where films are going I can't tell you where they're going but I worry that they're going towards people just never coming out of their living room and watching them there it's a completely different experience sound wise and every wise I think what the streamers do Netflix Amazon is give opportunities for these movies that would never get made otherwise to go get made and I think that's great great let's all be part of that whole thing there but don't let the theatrical experience of movies on the big screen that I grew up on and I don't want that to go away so I hope movies are still going to where they always were in a theater
0: unbelievable uh, I want to ask you one last question which I usually ask my guest which is what is the best piece of advice anybody ever gave you what makes you run? What do you think is that keeps you motivated?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the best piece of advice—I don't know if it was advice. It was on an early kids show, the first kids show job I got, and uh, and I a friend of mine had, who was a writer, had turned it down. He said, "Here, this producer is looking for someone to write these kids shows," and so I went in, and it, and it was like kind of a laugh in for kids. It was a local show on Channel Seven called It. And uh, I went in and the first week I got hired. I got hired on the basis of, I thought I, he gave me a plan and he said, here, write some lines here based on what this is. And I go like, okay. And I I wrote like stupid stuff. Like, well, what do little kids want? I didn't know anything about it. So I I did one line that I said, okay, I'm gonna throw this in. This isn't what he wants because he wants these little kid things. But I, I threw in this thing. What do you get when you rub two sticks together? Uh, you either get fire or two angry sticks. And um, he goes, that's what I'm looking for. And that's why I got hired on one line. He said, the rest of your stuff was crap. And he meant it. And then I got the job and I, at the end of the first week, I'd so alienated the whole art department because I was writing basically Lawrence of Arabia for this low budget kids show and all this complicated stuff. And he said, none of this works. We can't shoot this, blah, blah, blah. But he goes, but I still believe in you. And I still have faith because I think you can do it, based on that one thing you Why showed me. And uh, and then I needed that piece of direction from him to know that I could do this. And I turned it around and I made these like, you know, these sketches and things that didn't cost much money that I could make kind of inventively. I, I did one called The Broken Bobbling. It was a commercial for the toy that already comes already broken. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about your kids breaking the toy. It's already broken. And so we did this thing, holding up a broken toy. It was the best sketch in that whole um, episode. And, um, and I realized, I can do this. I just need good direction. I need somebody also that says, I, I still believe in you. That if they believed in you once, it's there somewhere. So you just have to find him. it. Well, everybody, you believes. gotta believe in yourself. Well,
0: you believe. I want to know, ask you one other question. You <laughs> yeah. you interview so many of the actors who yeah. are nominated. What what would you say is a common thread among them? What would you say about them that you notice? Uh,
1: insecurity <laughs> i think uh, the most amazing thing to me is like some of these actors you know who've won oscars and been at the top of their game you know every movie is another crap shoot you know yeah. and they're vulnerable yeah. acting's tough this is why i didn't feel i could pull it off professionally um it's it's a tough thing and you know and it's and there, there's still that insecurity which i think you need i think that's what uh, Once Upon a Time, Leonardo DiCaprio's character shows. Yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter the success it, yeah. you had. All success is fleeting and everything.
0: Well, you got to be good at the, list, the last film. Yeah. and How were you in this film? It's like, it's fleeting. And then
1: you look at some of these careers. I go to a lot of events, you know, and you look at the reels, and you look at the different things, and I'm just I'm marveling at the movies that worked, the movies that didn't, but they keep going out there, and they keep working at it. They don't let themselves get down if something doesn't work and i think that's really interesting to me you know that actors can do i did do one little bit of acting where i played myself on a sitcom called adam ruins everything which is now on netflix you can look it up and it was about adam does he gets brings in experts and they talk about uh this thing you're basically interviewed and then you come on and play yourself and they write lines for you and so it was like a sitcom it's a blend uh of real life and a sitcom and uh so i played myself and it's about award season and uh and i did that and it was all green screen because i'm playing i'm I'm, they made me into an oscar statuette as myself so i played it against green screen i realized how difficult acting is because uh, you know he's saying don't look at me i'm going to throw you the lines but look up there but like you're looking at me right. and <laughs> but don't look at me because right. it's all green screen and don't move because if you move this will ruin the whole thing and uh, i did that and people have seen it and they go oh i saw you on you were really funny i go that was so hard to do it's hard because it's like you know it's well
0: this reminds me of the the best thing i've heard this uh last week from Ben Kingsley who said, I don't like to act because it's lonely. I like to react
1: uh-huh. because then you're that's in great. a scene with someone. Yeah, and react is what I do in interviews yes, too. Yes, you're
0: always reacting. You're very much, you're always when you're interviewing people, that's my yeah. favorite is listening to you because yeah. you really listen to them.
1: Yeah, I love doing that. I'll just play off of whatever you're saying and, and that takes me in places I, you know, I prepare for every uh, interview. I want to know something about yeah. and what I'm doing, but uh, I like it to go in its own direction. And so I'm all, I am all I love that Ben Kingsley line because that's yes. what you should do.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, I am thrilled. I could talk to uh, Pete. This is only part one because uh, <laughs> Pete's going to get a call back. It's amazing to have somebody over there. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you that it's a pleasure having Pete here. He is truly uh, a legend in many ways. He's respected. By everyone, I am thrilled for you to be here. I'm thrilled to know you as my friend. (laughs) Uh, And you want to get a great review from Pete. So, until we see each other on the red carpet, (laughs) yes, study (laughs) everything is possible. Acting is better now than ever with all the streaming services. It gives there more, there's more needs for actors than ever before. And uh, let's keep. Pete happy by making some (laughs) great movies that he can enjoy. So until next time, thank you very much. And uh, thank you, Mr. Pete Hammond. Thank you very much. Thanks. See you later. All right. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to the Actor's Guide to Success podcast. We were just speaking with legendary journalist Pete Hammond. He's got the heartbeat of Hollywood. And let's see if his predictions come true this Sunday at the Academy Awards. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell all your friends. And if you have any questions, please send them to podcast at bernardhiller.com. And remember, the bigger the dream, the better the life.